The difference between second in the Central Division standings and sixth is two points involving five teams. If you spotted the games in hand for the two teams with them, if they were to win out, they could theoretically be in a second place tie ahead of the current second and third place teams by four points. However, with Minnesota still three points ahead atop the division as they are currently seven points up. When I say it's too close, it's too close. How about point swings over the weekend on Saturday and Sunday being non-existent in the division? Of seven games of six Central Division teams playing, there was one regulation loss. Every team found a way to get points, even by getting games into extra time in the losses. Chicago, who played a back-to-back, was the only Central Division team to play two games and is the one that lost a game while winning one. And they sit six points back of six, but again, having played three more games played than two of those teams in Colorado and Dallas, so seven points back of Nashville in the same games played really from being included in what's best described as the Central Division six-pack. Worth mentioning that under interim head coach Derek King, Chicago is 8-4-0 over its past 12 games, and they remain that distant. Making up ground in the NHL's point system isn't easy. Maintaining where you are is quite difficult as well, and building a point buffer, as we see Minnesota has started to do, requires not losing essentially at all, as they are the winners of six in a row to match Dallas, who didn't play in the last two days, and also rejoin the six-pack with their win streak after middling at 500 prior. Now, as I will later in this edition do a power ranking for the Central Division teams that varies from the standings, second place and third place Winnipeg and St. Louis have identical 12-8-4 records that with the same regulation wins, the second tiebreaker regulation overtime wins that Winnipeg has more of than St. Louis is why they are put ahead standings-wise by NHL.com. Nashville follows a point behind as Sandwichville because Colorado and Dallas with identical 12-7-2 records are a point below them and the two teams in the division with games in hand. Colorado on regulation wins the first tiebreaker slot above Dallas until, well, more games of course are played. When I look at the team's respective weeks ahead, Minnesota has to try to, after a perfect homestand now duplicated on the road, Winnipeg won't have the advantageous schedule design this week they did have that assisted their modest current two-game win streak. St. Louis has a lot of injuries, but after a tough home schedule game versus Florida, a more favorable schedule as the week continues, and they could if Goalieville Huso can, in his first time being the top back stopper, help them by continuing to get points. Colorado has a lot of injuries too as they continue on the road, and that's hard to predict how they will fare. Dallas has one more home game before more challenging opponents as they try to continue winning, and Nashville's schedule looks winnable competition-wise over the next week to keep them propped up in all of this. That's the Central Division six-pack essentially staying intact for at least another week to me. As for Chicago, I expect they play 500 hockey and compete, but stay in seventh in Arizona while They are playing 250 win percentage hockey, and that's been slightly better than the one win out of every five 200 win percentage team that I'm expecting in all honesty. You can put Arizona last safely 
on a league-wide power ranking, never mind a central division only one. Everything above that is actually really subjective and comparatively to another valid week-to-week Power rankings also don't replace the actual standings that will determine who makes the playoffs, and that's the best to keep front of mind. Welcome to Central Division Hockey, the podcast. I'm Tim Bigelow. This Monday edition covers the weekend division games from Saturday and Sunday. The order remains based on the team's points in the division standings, not point percentage. Central Division leading Minnesota extended and equaled the Central Division best win streak of six games. That includes going 5-for-5 in Minnesota's five-game homestand that concluded with the State of Hockey Night in Canada matchup. Minnesota 4-3 home shootout win over Toronto Saturday. Late in the first, Minnesota's Marcus Foligno and Toronto's Wayne Simmons fight. The question if Foligno had gone off for a change and come back onto the ice didn't result in any additional penalties. A Joel Erickson net front tip of a Matt Dumba point shot went off the post where Jordan Greenway deposited the rebound to open the scoring. Minnesota would extend the lead in the second, a Matt Zuccarello power play goal, and Foligno putting in a puck in the slot that hit the linesman in the Toronto defensive zone. After Minnesota goalie Cam Talbot stretched out to make a pad save on Toronto's William Nylander's forehand tuck try, Toronto on a goal line shot through a net front that went off a skate and off Talbot's helmeted end. Toronto would add two more power play goals to have it locked at three all through two. Minnesota's Kevin Fiello and Toronto's John Tavares would hit posts in a scoreless third. That included Minnesota killing off a minute 48 seconds of Toronto five on three power play. Minnesota would get shootout goals from Matt Zuccarello and Kirill Kaprizov to secure the victory. Only the penalty troubles Minnesota ended up in finding their way into helping Toronto back into a game Minnesota had taken full control of, yet Toronto staying in it while it was broadcast as the marquee Hockey Night in Canada showdown would have had the effect of reintroducing Minnesota to the eastern-biased NHL focus, and the dramatics left an impression as Minnesota has a flair for those while pacing to top spot in the Central Division. The only thing missing, Minnesota defenseman Jarrett Spurgeon, out with lower body injury, could have used the recognition as one of the NHL's underappreciated skill two-way defensemen being unable to play. Toronto probably missed Mitch Marner. I certainly didn't. Built-in excuses for Toronto to not realize Minnesota is a better constructed hockey team. The takeaway is Toronto is a team dependent on its power play. Well, Minnesota isn't. Sunday yesterday, news broke that Vancouver had hired former Minnesota head coach Bruce Boudreau, whose name I always have trouble saying, for the rest of this year and next year to replace Travis Green and assistants and the GM Jim Benning reports confirmed later was out as well. Minnesota 24 games played 17-6 and 135 points. First in the Central 
win streak six games, goal differential plus 21. Minnesota's home success continues from a year ago, and the five-game homestand included some heavyweights. Now Minnesota needs to continue with a four-game Pacific Division stretch that keeps them in the spotlight as it's bookend by Pacific Division teams Edmonton and Vegas, most predicted to be playoff bound from that side of the Western Conference. Those teams, like Toronto, just have a lot of eyes on them that Minnesota through this stretch and especially with success won't be kept such a secret and why on earth they have been is how old narratives die hard in hockey hockey circles haven't wanted to pay attention and minnesota is making them have to winnipeg 6-3 home win over toronto sunday the overhyped hockey machine rolled into winnipeg on back-to-backs as toronto played in winnipeg the next night undefeated rookie goalie joseph wool off injured reserve and not even the backup versus minnesota the night before had the start a better story would have been former winnipeg goalie michael hutchinson getting the goal crease but that was not to be the bigger story was winnipeg captain blake wheeler playing his a thousandth nhl career game with a pre-game ceremony last year paul stassing became the first jet to reach the milestone but a ceremony without fans and a career that owed to Colorado, St. Louis, and Vegas in his games played. The feels for the 700-plus with the franchise and counting for the Captain Wheeler was just strings closer to the small market's heart. The Silver Stick presentation with three mini Silver Sticks for Wheeler's three children is top-notch, and it's the same attention to detail Winnipeg did for Statsny at his ceremony. His kids did get them as well, contrary to what Jeff O'Neill remembers if more teams copy it after winnipeg in two silver stick presentations now can always say they did it first class first a winnipeg power play goal let front by pierre luc dubois matched a toronto power play goal to have the teams even after one winnipeg feasted on the rush in the second andrew kopp on a stretch pass yevgeny sveshnikov a power play kyle connor goal and a give-and-go Nick Ehlers to cop and back to Ehlers before a 5-on-3 Toronto power play goal and a goal line prayer goal, much like in Minnesota, cut the Winnipeg lead to 5-3. to Winnipeg's Marshike Lee's power play goal, splitting the Toronto D, the final tally, and Wheeler collecting two assists in the game. Toronto seemed more content to try and rough it up late in the game than score Dubois, Ragdoll, Austin Matthews on the ice. Winnipeg's Brendan Dillon fought Toronto's Kyle Clifford, who Toronto snapped up from St. Louis. And Wayne Simmons went after Winnipeg's Josh Morrissey, and Logan Stanley stepped in. Toronto's Jason Spezza has an in-person hearing for kneeing. Winnipeg's Neil Pionk will have one over the phone. Pionk caught Toronto's Rasmus Sandin. Spezza retaliated soon after with Pionk in a vulnerable position. Now, Winnipeg needed to take advantage of the schedule with Toronto playing back-to-back. There are times a team plays in Winnipeg then in Minnesota and vice versa. That might be becoming as difficult a combo as having to play Tampa Bay and then the Panthers in Florida in road trip level of difficulty. Rest assured, widening Toronto fans, the NHL is fairly balanced about these things. Winnipeg, when they play in Toronto, has to play the night before in Buffalo while Toronto doesn't play. Point is, when it's favorable, to make sure to pick up the points. Winnipeg did, and certainly Minnesota helped by going the distance the night prior and having Toronto leave with the cost of how hard that game was. Happy to say it went exactly how it was meant to, 
both nights. It doesn't get much better than watching Toronto lose twice in one weekend for me. Winnipeg, 24 games played, 12-8-4, 28 points, second in the Central. Win streak, two games, goal differential, plus six. Modest win streak that has the Eastern Cup contender Carolina up next for Winnipeg. Carolina has some key injuries, but Coach Rob Brindamore's team, whoever plays, will be expected to play to the fullest. Still, Dallas recently knocked off Carolina, who really missing defenseman Brett Pesci and Tony D'Angelo. And for Winnipeg, Carolina potentially could also be missing Andre Sveshnikov, Winnipeg's Yevgeny's brother, who is listed day-to-day. And that may not all seem what NHL circles consider marquee players. I remember in the Discover Central games a year ago how much better Carolina was with Pesci playing to the defensive and cycle-dominant game Carolina plays. He really is a quiet, under-the-radar D-man, say like Dallas's Essel and Dell, or Minnesota's Jonas Brodeen. Demon, when they're missing from your team's lineup while you're trying to figure out why your team isn't playing as good, but you can't pinpoint it why, guys, because all the attention is being given to other defensemen on the team. After, for Winnipeg, it's West Coast trip, Seattle and Vancouver. Seattle playing better, and Vancouver with a new coach at the helm. A potential lobster or Kraken trap back-to-back. St. Louis, 4-3 shootout loss in Florida Saturday. St. Louis, without starting goalie, Jordan Biddington, turns to second-year backup Billy Huso to carry the ball in the toughest home-and-home four-game set that is finishing up versus Florida after St. Louis played Tampa Bay on a home-and-home. The shootout point loss, given the St. Louis lineup injuries, was in fact solid. St. Louis's Logan Brown open scoring. Florida answers it, and it goes that way as the teams trade a goal per period through the game. In the second, four-on-four, St. Louis's Jake Wallman's blast and Brandon Sod's third off-the-rush tally are the St. Louis goals. A late six-on-five Florida goal gets the equalizer, and they win 2-1 to one in a shootout to get the extra point. The two actual storylines, St. Louis goalie Huso made 48 saves on a Florida 51-25 shot and goal advantage, highlighted by a pad save on Florida's Aaron Ekblad's forehand backhand in close, stopping Jonathan Huberdeau's breakaway on a stretch pass, and a Ryan Lombrog breakaway, and finishing with a stop on Owen Tippett at the top of the paint, just to mention a few. The second, the above-expected play of replacement value St. Louis step players. Brown's goal, his second since being called up. The fourth line, along with Dakota Joshua, was impactful in this game. Defenseman Jake Wallman getting back in the lineup when recently it was Nico Mikola that was getting in ahead of him, and both are playing like they want to stay in the St. Louis lineup. And rookie Scott Pernovich, likewise. St. Louis penalty kill misses Tyler Bozak. The St. Louis power play misses David Perron. The D group misses Justin Falk, and they are competing without their starter in Bennington. St. Louis, 24 games played, 12-8-4, 28 points, third in the central. Streak, one overtime loss, goal differential plus 10. St. Louis right now against Atlantic Division powerhouses in a four-game stretch have every excuse to be on a losing streak, and they aren't on one. Four on three, shorthanded in overtime, and Robert Bertuzzo without his stick. St. Louis left it 
all out on the ice to get the game to the shootout against a Florida team that I had predicted to win the Stanley Cup because they really are a legit contender if there was one. The good news, after the next game at home against this tough Florida team, St. Louis's schedule looks less daunting with Detroit, Montreal, and Anaheim. Hopefully, St. Louis can return to better health-wise. Then, St. Louis's problem is actually who stays in the lineup. Today, however, it's center Robert Thomas added to the players out with a lower body injury. The shine to forward Vladimir Tarasenko start seems to have worn. He played 14 minutes 20 seconds in the game versus Florida Saturday. Watching the New York Islanders who can't score besides Matt Barzell had me thinking Tarasenko to the Isles with camp retention and not sure who would return but it would make a whole lot of sense for St. Louis GM Doug Armstrong and Isles GM Lou Lamorello to work that out. Last time I mused about a potential player becoming available recently that thought was confirmed to be an accurate take. Feel free to get some legs on the Tarasenko 2 New York Islanders take. Nashville, a 4-3 home overtime win over Montreal Saturday. Nashville's Ellie Tovalin deflects a Matthias Ekholm point shot to give Nashville the opening goal. Montreal get two in the second, a power play goal, and the second by former Arizona Yoke Christian Dvorak at the game's midpoint. Nashville kill off a 5-on-3 Montreal power play and tie it up. Tenor Janot screen and tip 5-hole late in the middle frame. Nashville's Mark Borowicki fights Montreal's Michael Pizzetta who picks a bad dance partner to try and make a name for himself as Nashville color analyst Chris Mason and play-by-play announcer Willie Donick were mostly accurately bewildered by his decision. Montreal takes the lead again, and Nashville's Luke Cunning scores coming out of the penalty box. Cunning assisted on Tovalin's goal, fought Montreal's third goal-getter Brett Kulak, and thus completed the Gordie Howe Hattie with the game-tying goal. Nashville goalie UC Saros denies Montreal's Arturi Lekanen's breakaway to ensure overtime happens, where franchise Philip Forsberg has to collect his knocked-away stick, while Mikhail Granlin circles behind the net to send across crease pass for Forsberg's short-side roof game winner. Takeaways were Nashville peppering Montreal goalie Jake Allen with 44 shots on goal to Montreal's meager 23, and Nashville going to the dirty areas. A game where Nashville had a true goal scoring by committee with four different players over several lines contributing just to point out a Nashville game where instead of just talking about goal scoring by committee, a game where Nashville actually did it. And this game against Montreal is what that actually really looks like. Nashville, 24 games played, 13-10-1, 27 points, 4th in the Central, win streak, 1 goal differential, 0. Nashville has a 4-game road trip in Detroit, New York Islanders, New Jersey, and the New York Rangers ahead. That, to me, is comparatively more winnable to the stretch of games that will come after they return home. It's not saying it won't be a challenge. It's to say Nashville should, to me, be competitive against these teams. And it's important Nashville is because of the six-pack. They are the only team at double-digit losses of that group right now. They need to keep winning to stay in the mix. It has to be better than 500 hockey, as the back half of December is going to be daunting. This is a potential for a needed overachieving stretch for Nashville. We'll take a quick time out on Central Division Hockey, the podcast. When we return, we look at the remaining four Central Division teams, games, more trade rumors, and this week's division's power rankings.
Is inflation taking a bite out of your grocery budget? Andrews Federal Credit Union is here to help. Introducing our Inflation Buster Share Certificate with 5% APY for seven months, now through December 2nd. Bring your money to Andrews Federal Credit Union today. The Inflation Buster account must be open with new money. Andrews Federal Credit Union membership is not just for the military. We also serve the community. Visit andrewsfcu.org. Federally insured by NCUA. Membership eligibility required. APY equals annual percentage yield. Must have $1,000 minimum balance to earn advertised APY. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. Welcome back. A power ranking perspective for a second Monday that will continue with going forward on the podcast for what it's worth weekly. Minnesota remains first. Dallas second. Last week they were fourth. Colorado third. Last week second. St. Louis fourth. Last week third. Winnipeg remains fifth. As do Nashville sixth. Chicago seven. And Arizona eighth. It's not just because Minnesota and Dallas are on six-game win streaks that we've got them one and two, but competition-wise this week, I still expect the teams to remain, if not undefeated, close to it. The drop-off for St. Louis and Colorado isn't really based on how they played. It's a concern that injuries are extreme and key ones, the potential it's possible that they lose. Winnipeg wins were on a favorable set so i didn't want to boost them back up until they can duplicate it under their usual schedule challenges nashville i expect to do well they don't move up simply because until another of the six pack does struggle over two plus games they are truly just keeping pace for now when they win chicago as we spoke of off the top will have to have a long win streak to be of relevance again and arizona remains the nhl's worst team those two last ranked spots are on lock Colorado 6-5 overtime loss in Ottawa Saturday. In addition to starting goalie Darcy Kemper and Bowen Byram, Colorado had Kale McCarr and Nazem Kadri unable to go. They played with 17, not 18 skaters. Not that Hockey Night in Canada wanted to mention that Colorado was. Next was Colorado goalie Jonas Johansson starting for the third game in four nights. That when someone can explain what Colorado coach Jared Bednar was thinking in doing that, let me know. Colorado scored on their first shot on goal, Darren Helm, two Ottawa off the rush goals, and a Colorado power play goal net front tip by Gabriel Landeskog before the game was nine minutes in, and it was two all. Ottawa's awarded an early second period goal. Here is the NHL statement as to why summed up. Colorado defenseman Jack Johnson caused the net to be dislodged from its mooring prior to the puck crossing the line as he took out Ottawa's Tim Stutzel, who then crashed into Colorado goalie Johansson. The imminent scoring opportunity also requires that the puck would have entered the net between the normal position of the goal posts as it did. Less than two minutes after the next Ottawa goal is scored, and that ends Colorado goalie Johansson Knight. Ottawa, before midway of the second, score a power play goal on Colorado goalie Yusis Aninen, and that hockey night in Canada annunciation in relief in his first NHL game. 
I'm disappointed that it is not pronounced justice just because justice being served and all the catchphrases that could be, but I'm pretty sure that they got it right in its uses, and I will try to use that from now on. Colorado's Alex Newhook gets a goal also before the midpoint of the game by creating his own breakaway through the neutral zone and then goes highlight reel backhand blocker side roof on Ottawa goalie Anton Forsberg. A beauty for the what turned to be another summer beauty league game between these two teams. Goalie Forsberg tries to pick Colorado's Miko Rantanen and gets knocked over for his efforts. Ottawa, of course, blows the lead as they did previously, as Colorado gets two third-period goals, even as one came off the board on an offside challenge. In overtime, Ottawa breakaway glove side lifted, goal ends it. Two games between these two teams, Colorado 13 goals, Ottawa 10 goals. This two-game set was straight out of the 80s before either of these teams even existed. The Colorado goaltending choices over the Eastern Road Trip Head scratchers for sure. The 1-1-1 one, one one mark, three-game split, is an absolute disappointment, yet three points instead of four expected, except for the two expected by me in Toronto, meaning I thought they would run the table. And yes, injuries absolutely contribute to this massively. Two takeaways. At what point do the injuries start to derail Colorado's season completely? Because to me, that's where I think this goes. And even if it doesn't, even in full health, this team's defensive play isn't going to win in the playoffs anyways. That toughness factor, Curtis McDermott, nine games played, and one fight was brought in for, and he doesn't do anything else of value. A few block shots, what, uh, hit a game right now? Yes, the team can score, but they really haven't defended, and the expectations here are like Nashville with UC Soros to be a bailout package of Darcy Kemper by comparison for Colorado and Net. Honestly, it's been Captain Gabriel Landeskog who's acted as a team enforcer with team leading 35 penalty minutes, a suspension, and along with Kadri's playing on the edge for a otherwise talented but fragile soft collection of a group. A Colorado team that definitely misses depth pieces defense Ryan Graves and probably Nikita Zadorov from the year before on defense, not for their skill but for their grit as adequate NHLers up front Pierre Edouard Balmer and Matt Calvert again not for their skill but because they were hard-nosed and tough to play against. Colorado is more skilled than ever before but Landeskog should be putting up points and he is but not as many penalty minutes and the grit otherwise on this Colorado team is missing and that's why Landy seems to be the one stuck providing it. Colorado, 21 games played, 12-7-2, 26 points, fifth in the central, streak, overtime loss of one. Goal differential, plus 14. Colorado reminds me most of Edmonton right now, a regular season skilled team that will disappear come playoff time. They have losers of eight straight in Philadelphia up next tonight, who just fired coach Alan Vigneault today to replace him with Mike Yeo who also coached in Minnesota. The New York Rangers, then on the road, Detroit at home, 
that if injuries don't adversely affect this team like they did in Ottawa, should be winnable games for Colorado. On Sunday, Colorado plays Florida. And that's, with how this team is playing right now, a potential another Toronto-like moment. Good regular season teams and actual cup contenders, Colorado hasn't looked very dominant against. Everybody else won't be in the playoffs when it matters. Dallas, 21 games played, 12-7-2 as well, 26.6 in the central streak, winners of six, goal differential plus two. 32 thoughts, Hockey Night in Canada intermission segment Saturday confirmed that Dallas is looking at potential returns for trading goalie Anton Hudobin as per Jeff Merrick, as it's Jake Oninger and Braden Holtby that have emerged as a tandem with the current win streak in Dallas's crease. Buffalo was discussed as a landing spot. Ottawa would be another I wouldn't rule out. What isn't to me for GM Jim Nill is Edmonton. It occurs to me Dallas's preference to find an Eastern Conference trade partner is probably preferable. The reason, if Edmonton were to finish first in the Pacific, and that is possible, they would match up with one of the wildcard teams in the first round of the playoffs. That potentially could be Dallas, and the teams could find themselves slotting against each other in the first round. And if not, Dallas expects to be going on a deep run like they did in the bubble, so they could potentially meet later on. They would probably prefer... Dallas to not have Dobie be the goalie that prevents them from being able to do that. That's why I think the move that sees goalie Hudobin go to an Eastern Conference team, thinking Ottawa with Hudobin and Subban, Malcolm Subban, formerly of Chicago, as a combo is better than what they've had. And look at the players Ottawa is putting around its talented young group, depth wise of late. They're all Central Division experienced playoff ones, such as Austin Watson a year ago, Zach Sanford right at the beginning of the year, and recently Adam Gaudet. Pretty sure they are in on Dobie. I just need 32 confirmations of that thought. Dallas is home to Arizona, then on a tougher three-game road trip, Vegas, LA, and San Jose, to continue to try and keep their six-game win streak going. Chicago, a 3-2 loss to the New York Rangers Saturday. Chicago's Patrick Kane in the back half of the first hits the short side post on a two-on-one keep. With 23 seconds left, he has an open net tap-in in the paint as Brandon Hagel bats a puck below his shoulder net side. A New York Ranger power play goal and off the cycle net front scramble goal in the middle frame make it 2-1 blue shirts. Under five to go, a Chicago defensive zone turnover by Kelvin DeHaan leads to a New York Ranger insurance goal. Needed as Chicago six on five, Kane sets up Elks to bring it late, but Chicago fall three to two. Chicago goalie Kevin Lankinen in net for the loss. I keep hearing the New York Rangers are winning games according to Jeff Merrick while being outshot and relying on the goal tending of Igor Shashurkin. He went out with a lower body injury, so it was the 2-1-1 Alexander Gorgiev in this game, and the New York Rangers looked good on the power play, although netting only one power play goal in four tries. They had good forecheck and cycle and a slight shot on goal advantage, a win essentially then by a different script for the 16-4-3 Ranger team 
that I've been hearing. And the dynamic Artemi Panarin had a goal to assist to be involved in all his team scoring against his former team. Still, maybe I dislike the New York Rangers only slightly less than Toronto on the battle of couldn't care less teams in the NHL. The few games against the Central Division teams I have watched, I can't believe the win-loss record of this team, but the results clearly under head coach Gerard Gallant, when I haven't been watching, speak for themselves. Chicago 3-2 shootout win to the New York Islanders Sunday. It's a power play goal by Hagel net front off of him on some part of him on a Debrinket one-timer for a one nothing lead after one. The Isles tied in the second when, to bless him, Chicago play-by-play vet in his final year before retiring at season end, Pat Foley predicts, next goal wins to start the third. Off the rush, Chicago's Dylan Strom collects a loose puck as the New York Islanders break up a rush but cough the puck up and it's put roof glove. Four seconds from being absolutely correct, the New York Islanders, however, ruined Foley's prediction by tying the game from the high slot through a screen past Chicago goalie Marc-Andre Fleury. The shootout's lone goal scorer Patrick Kane's dangle ends up being the winner after the teams play a keep-away five-minute overtime. Low scoring with Chicago, 26-24 shot and goal advantage in what was an evenly played game that just didn't see Chicago's key game breakers generate enough through regulation, and yet they still grabbed the points on an Islanders team that can't score, and after starting on a long road trip this season, now playing in their new building where they have yet to win in. The defensively sound Islanders really do need another offensive game breaker to help Matt Barzell out. John Gabriel Pajot scored only his second goal of the year in this game to give you an example of why some goal-scoring punch is what Isles GM Lou Lamorello needs. And to be fair, Chicago did find enough in the end with help of the shootout, but they didn't hold the lead and needed a shootout to do it. They allowed the New York Islanders hope, and it nearly cost them points. Chicago, 24 games played, 9-13-2, 20 points, 7th in the Central, win streak 1 game, goal differential minus 21. Chicago, as I said off the top, is on a 2-win to 1-loss ratio under the new coach, and it barely made any ground up in the standings after the awful season start. Chicago also hasn't found its stride offensively. Yes, they are absolutely better on the defensive side of the puck under the new coach, but the offense hasn't fully clicked, and that is a requirement if they're going to go on a win streak to actually push themselves back into any chance of getting into the playoffs, and there isn't based on the team's play an expectation that goal scoring consistently is going to be found for them to be able to do it. Even to say Chicago looks to balance out closer to 500 than to be winning a bit more as they have under interim coach King now. Arizona 24 games played, 5-17-2, 12 points, 8th in the central, streak, 2 losses, goal differential, minus 46. No games for Arizona since the 7-1 embarrassment at home to Vegas. They play in Dallas tonight and then home to Florida, Philadelphia, and the New York Rangers. Philly would have been a game prior to the coaching change that would have been the only one 
that we might expect them to win here. But you can scratch that one off as I think, well, they'll get the coach bump and win that one. In fact, will it be more Coyote Ugly than the Vegas game was is a better question to ask. This evening, including the all-division matchup Arizona in Dallas, Colorado taking on Philly with their new coach, are the Central Division Monday NHL games. Tuesday sees Nashville and Detroit, Florida and St. Louis, Carolina and Winnipeg, the Rangers in Chicago, and Minnesota in Edmonton. That, to be quite honest, makes Tuesday just electric on so many fronts matchup-wise. Jared Spurgeon is said to not be playing against Edmonton. That is his hometown, so disappointed to hear that. However, the good news is he is close to return, I believe, reported by Michael Russo, because generally anytime I'm reporting anything out of Minnesota, Russo's got his hand on it. Wednesday, Colorado is in New York to take on the Rangers. Dallas plays in Vegas. Given the large Tuesday slate, it will be after the two-game division Wednesday and three days of action and Thursday when I expect to return with another podcast. Unless more news comes out where we have to do one in advance of that, special edition-wise, I think now that some coaching moves have been done, maybe some trades are going to happen too. Anyways, Winnipeg put Riley Nash on waivers today. Won't know if he clears until tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the games of the team that is your favorite coming up over the next couple of days. you like to come home to a bartender who will fix you any cocktail you want i'll have an old-fashioned i'll have a margarita now you can with the bartesian home cocktail maker bartesian is a sleek machine the size of a coffee maker that makes premium cocktails at the touch of a button choose from over 50 different cocktails from classics to the most exotic premium cocktails served in the best bars today you'll always get freshly mixed perfectly balanced cocktails with the bartesian cocktail maker and now get bartesian's best black friday deal ever at bartesian.com holiday entertaining the bartesian is ideal for parties no need to stock all kinds of individual mixers for complicated recipes every guest gets the cocktail of their choice in seconds the bartesian makes a wonderful gift for anyone who loves a fine premium cocktail now get bartesian's best black friday deal ever it's available right now only at bartesian.com holiday that's b-a-r-t-e-s-i-a-n.com holiday for bartesian's best deal ever only at bartesian.com holiday lucky land slots asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky lucky in line at the deli i guess aha in my dentist's office more than once actually do i have to say yes you do in the car before my kids PTA meeting really yes excuse me what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky I never win and tell well there you have it you can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com play for free right now are you feeling lucky no purchase necessary void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details